Hello, welcome. I'm Craig Fuller. Uh, welcome back to F3. It's been an exciting set of conversations we've had with some of the most thoughtful and deep, deepest insights across the supply chain industry. Here with me to add additional insights is Disruptor, the co-founder and CEO of Convoy. Dan, how are you? Dan Lewis? Hey, thanks, Craig. Thanks for having me on. Hey, it's great to have you. We spent a lot of time at F3 talking about the disruptions that have taken place across the landscape of supply chain. 2021 has been the supply chain year or the year where supply chain has become a part of everyone's lexicon. Tell us a little bit about what that means to you and what that means to Convoy. Uh, it, it is. That's definitely happened. Um, you know, I remember when I was thinking about starting Convoy, I wrote down the supply chain is winning on this piece of paper. I was trying to think of different industries and I was I was realizing that so many decisions that consumers were making, so much, you know, so many questions and, and you could even say pressure being applied at the, at the board level in different companies was around how is my supply chain going to develop on the heels of Amazon inventing things like Prime and, and just a lot of kind of delivery expectations going up. So, you know, we've been in the thick of it and I think, you know, you've been in the thick of it seeing the industry change and evolve multiple difficult cycles over the last five years. Um, the supply chain is always changing and, you know, the trucking market's always changing. So I think that one of the benefits of this is the reason everyone's talking about it is because we're kind of in a crisis situation and it has been very challenging and very volatile. But that tends to mean that more money is put against the problem. More people get interested in working on the problem and want to make it part of their, you know, what they're spending their time and their energy on. And companies feel uh, or kind of innovation happens faster. You know, our customers are asking us for more solutions. The truck drivers and partners we work with are feeling it. And so we actually feel like this is going to be one of those times we're going to look back on and realize there was so much novel thinking, innovation, creative thinking, problem solving that's happening right now. And in a, in a decade, we look back, this will be a pivotal moment where a lot of time, energy, money, and brilliant people, you know, start working on this problem. And so I'm, I'm excited about that. But right now, it's been really challenging, but it's certainly brought to the forefront the kind of problems we're working on. Yeah, it strikes me this is, I've said this a few different times today, as well as uh, I wrote an op-ed on it. This is the Lehman Brothers moment. If you think about fintech and financial services really broke out uh, after the Lehman Brothers and the financial crisis. But people became aware that the institutions that they used to trust were in doubt. There was a lot of questions about uh, what the future of, of, the, of really the economy looked like. And it created this backdrop for a lot of innovation. And it strikes me that right now with supply chain, while we haven't had a Lehman Brothers bankruptcy, we've had a bankruptcy of processes that didn't work. The way that businesses worked in the past is no longer, uh, it just no longer works. And so it, it's a pretty pivotal moment in, in society. What are you hearing from your investors? You, you guys sit deeply inside of the Silicon Valley ecosystem. I'd love to hear what the perception is among people that you're talking to. I think that there's a really strong interest right now in investing into companies that are addressing these challenges. I'm seeing a lot of investment go into fintech for supply chain transportation. Um, I'm seeing, you know, we're, there's interesting companies and, and some of them I'm sure you know, um, you know, creative approaches to LTL, right? Flock Freight, 
some warehouse kind of like optimization work, companies like Stored and others. Um, I mean, obviously, Flexport's been in the news more recently, and, and, and Ryan talking about all the challenges in the port. But that sort of attention drives a lot of additional investment and interest in the space. And we're certainly hearing from investors that, that there's a lot of attention and energy going on in, in their circles, in their meetings, about where the supply chain is going. And technology now being in a position to really disrupt the supply chain. But even, you know, what's even more exciting is shippers, our customers, our partners, um, trucking companies are also very interested in making investments here. And like you said, the way they've been doing business isn't working necessarily. I had a top 15, top 10, top 15 shipper in the United States on a call last week uh, in, in the food space, basically say, and I, I, you know about Guaranteed Primary. It's this program we have where it's a new way of doing procurement and kind of running your RFP that gives you more consistency over time uh, when, when volatility is really high. And I talked to them about it before, and they were like, I'm not sure. It might not be the right time. Talked to them last week. They basically just said, look, the RFP is over. Like, it, we're trying to do it. It's constantly falling apart. We're having to redo it. We're doing it multiple times. Um, you know, every quarter, we're doing lots of mini bids. We're trying to get people to agree to contracts, but it's just not working very well. And I'd never heard someone kind of say that before in that position. And they they said they really wanted to go explore this, this other program we have. Um, because the way they've been doing business just actually isn't delivering the reliable, quality, consistent trucking results they were looking for. So, Dan, you're the second person that has said that in a week, that the RFP is over. And the first time I heard it, it was a freight tech company that was saying it. And I'm like, I don't know, man. It sounds like that's a little self, self-fulfilling, self if you will, or, or hopeful. But it sounds like what you're saying is that you're hearing this from customers and shippers that the RFP is over. Is it, I mean, is it because of the sort of cycle that we're in right now where shippers can't truly secure capacity at the rates that they think that they're able to secure them at? Or do we think there's been a fundamental shift in uh, the way that the business operates? I think it's both. And you're right. I, I wasn't saying that. You know, so someone was telling me that and they were probably using that extreme language out of exasperation and and just it's been a marathon over the last year and a half for a lot of people. And like, look, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying. I need to find solutions here. It's both. It's their demand is changing considerably. So where they ship to, what their customers are purchasing, the expectation of their customers around quality and service of delivery, you know, where goods and, and are needed. And, and those delivery routes have been actually really volatile over the last year, year and a half. And the providers they're working with, the trucking partners and other parts of the supply chain, are having a harder time consistently providing capacity to meet their needs. So their, their own ability to plan and schedule and predict what's going to happen is worse because of how volatile their customers are and how volatile their industry is. And their suppliers are also less able to handle that volatility. Um, so when they look at that and they're saying, well, I'm, I'm spending all this energy setting up my routing guide, doing these RFPs, I'm, now I'm just doing them all the time. They're just realizing it's less of this annual RFP cycle. It's kind of this constant discussion, multiple bids, um, lots of concurrent work happening there to try to get capacity secured and also looking at alternatives. So I think it's just the kind of one size or one approach fits everybody every year isn't really working. But you were to big companies uh, and have been around, certainly have, have worked inside services that sell to big companies. It seems to me a lot of these processes are set up through procurement departments and through finance and compliance. 
where they still have to perform an RFP because it's it's an edict inside the corporation. Are you suggesting that that these transportation logistics and supply chain professionals are just going around that and saying, hey, we legitimately can't get an RFP that we can trust. Therefore, we're going to put it into the market and use these alternative solutions. You just described why it's been so hard to have you know, change and innovation in the procurement space and supply chain, especially in trucking, because it, it is that. The thing you just asked, it's funny though, the thing you asked is effectively, explicitly what is happening. And someone else, actually, it was a different person, brought that up exactly. They said, look, it's kind of silly. The reason we do procurement like this for trucking is because every other department at our company goes through this and we're told we need to do it this way. And so that's why we do it this way, even though this is an area where it actually doesn't really work. So they are having conversations internally trying to explain that specific nuance of trucking and saying there's actually the, the, the same constraints or, or requirements we have to do procurement in other parts of our supply chain don't actually work in this part necessarily. So that is ha- that conversation is happening. And I don't know if that means it's definitely not going to change overnight, but it means that companies are actually unable to deliver for the business the, the transportation departments and procurement departments for that part of their business are unable to deliver in a way they could before, which means it is an escalation now. It is an executive conversation. It's outside the procurement departments, outside the transportation. It's our company can't get enough capacity to move freight out of our manufacturing plant or, you know, bottling plant or warehousing facility. And others are saying they can't get capacity to get stuff to them. And, and the workarounds are worse than the problem. So I, I know somebody, you know, who usually ships LTL and they're shipping five, six pallets from East Coast to West Coast. And they recently called and they're going to, they're looking for truckload because they can't get that. They actually don't have an option to get the capacity in their, in their normal approach. So now they're paying for a full truckload, you know, seven grand or so across the country. And that is... That's not uh, a very uh, like sustainable approach to this problem. And some of these workarounds I'm hearing about, I'm hearing about other things like that. People are just buying air freight capacity and shipping, you know, volume, like whatever they need. The, the, I, some people who are in, in a couple of industries are shipping their products over early, just basically pre-buying air freight capacity, pre-buying ship capacity, shipping stuff whenever it's available, independent of when they need it in the U.S. or not just so they can get it into the country as soon as they can and build a stockpile here. And, you know, that is kind of the opposite of what we were all taught over the last decade or two about how to make the supply chain more just in time and more nimble and more lasting, right? So you're just seeing a lot of work around. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. I mean, we have seen, well, we haven't seen the sort of levels that we're seeing of dislocation. We've seen cycles of high demand cycles, you know, sort of my previous run running an on-demand business in 2003 and 2004 was very similar to that where routing guides broke down uh rfps were canceled and then nobody did them uh but it eventually reverted back to 
businesses went to RFPs and we spent 15 years doing them. You know, we were selling truckloads for 10, 000, you know, 30 mile moves for $10,000 a pop and did, gosh, we did a hundred of those across Chicago. I sold, you know, $14,000 for a truckload go 60 miles or like we saw the extremes back in 2004. Now there was, in those days, there was the, the 3PL industry was quite young. There wasn't really a lot of 3PLs that were available after hours. They didn't, you know, the ones that did, didn't have capacity committed to them. They were mostly backhauler uh, type relationship. We were CH Robinson's largest carrier and it was all on demand. It was extremely priced, but I just wonder if what we're seeing right now is just all this pain and everybody sort of says sort of the Henry Blodgett quote of, of the day is that this is the new economy result economy. Well, anyone who lived through the bubble of 1999 and sort of survived that in 2002, everything went back to normal. And I, I, I have to believe seeing a number of cycles that things are different now, but eventually corporations go back to doing business the way that they used to know it. I mean, I think, I mean, it's always, it's always kind of yes and no where, you know, I think at the beginning I was, I was saying, you know, Conway's only existed six years and I was like, look, we've seen two or three cycles already, you know, in that time frame. So this is another um, hot cycle and caused by different things and, and, you know, at different levels. But so yes, people tend to cycle back, I think. Um, as the opportunities come, but I don't think businesses are doing business the way they did in 2004 either. In many cases, there's a whole bunch of you know changes that have happened for many, many industries and many businesses since then. So I think that what people will do, I think what I meant is there's a lot of innovation that's going to be created, right? There's innovation spurred in these moments where people create new ideas, they create new business models, they create new procurement models. They might apply technology to something that where it wasn't being applied before, or they'll come at it from a different angle, and Many of those ideas are not going to stick when things quiet back down, if that happens. But many of them will, because they'll actually be better than the alternative in both markets. And I do think that one of the reasons you haven't seen as much innovation in procurement and in, supply, in some of the transportation areas we're talking about with freight is because the ability for suppliers to offer different solutions wasn't there in previous cycles as much. I mean, maybe it was there on a different level, let's say, because I'm not going to say there wasn't innovation before. In the same way that prior to, you know, smartphones being available for truck drivers at affordable rates in the, you know, 2014, 2015, the same way that enabled another level of connectivity between the fragmented trucking population, all these long-tailed trucking companies and small trucking companies and shippers through, through organizations like Convoy, that wasn't possible before then. There was no way to go to that really long tail, have full visibility, create a marketplace, create a network and manage it in a really kind of highly orchestrated, high efficiency, low waste, automated way until that technology was in place and until the algorithms were there and the data science teams were there and everything had to be there to do it. Now, there are offerings that actually, because of that foundation, that's why things like guaranteed primary can exist. That's why Convoy's transactional drop-in program can exist. They, they only exist because we have that technology on those visi that visibility. So that's what I'm saying. Like innovation like that pushes things forward, investments push it forward. And then coming out of this, because during this difficult cycle, people are willing to try a bunch of new things, many of those are going to stick. And many of those weren't options to try in 2004. And it's a great point because the technology has evolved. I mean, we 
back when in 2004, there were cell phones just weren't ubiquitous and certainly smartphones. We were pre-iPhone in those days. I remember I started a company in 2007, which would have been one of the first digital brokerages completely went bust. But we went out and bought these Microsoft XP embedded PCs that if you took freight from us, you would you would end up getting access. It's like an ELD device on a PC platform because the smartphones and iPhones didn't exist. That bad timing, but you're, you're, I think the point you're making is spot on, which is there has been a technology evolution and solutions that did not previously exist. Yeah, and some of them are going to last through this, and they're going to get their first chance of being adopted because of the stresses that exist right now and because of the needs, and that will get them to critical mass, and that will get them discovered right out there, and then there'll be use cases and evidence, and people will say, well, that worked really well for me, and then they'll want to tell somebody else about it. Like, these things are spurred in moments of, of challenge like this, and, and then we'll see another wave on top of that, and it'll, it'll happen again someday, as you know. I mean, the only thing that's sure is that we're going to have another few cycles in, in the freight industry. Yeah, I mean, freight's always uh, cycles. This is not new uh, uh, to, to anyone who's been around it. This, what's happening, the constructs of it are new. The level of interest is completely new. But the fact that there are cycles is 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 true as as long as forever, probably since global, any type of trade has taken place. Dane, you talked about something, you mentioned something I, I was really interesting, was we talked a little bit about the interest level around business models. And there was a theme there. You talked about flock freight and its optionality of, of not buying the full load, but partially marrying up freight. You mentioned stored and flex as flexible warehouse. It does strike me, and you even, I think the RFP sort of fits into this theme as well, which is we're in an environment where flexibility provides resilience. In other words, going out and doing long-term leases on a warehouse work for, for certain types of businesses, and maybe even work for 95% of a portfolio, but there's a piece of your business which requires flexibility. Uh, in the trucking market, there are truly parcel there's truly LTL, and there's truly truckload. There's that sort of mid-level uh, shipment that is neither truckload or LTL. Having freight brokerage and digital brokerage that enables you to, to have flexible capacity is also important. And if you're a carrier, having flexible demand is important. It strikes me that if anything sort of survives uh, corporate cycles and decision-making, that flexibility is something that is permanent. And we're going to continue to enjoy that. Seated in consumer applications in the hotel, the Airbnb is a perfect example of that is something that came out of 2009. Now I can either sell my home for a night or rent somebody else's. And that's a permanent fixture in our economy. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think convenience, flexibility, transparency, they're not completely one-way doors, but they kind of get to one-way doors from an expectation perspective. If you're able to give somebody more better, more convenience, more transparency, more flexibility in, in how they get to make decisions, and they then have option value, they have the option to do that, it's hard to go back once you have that. And people talk about, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember which comedian was joking about, you know, how like you have this um, supercomputer in your hand that's like connected to, you know, satellites. It gives you instant information access everywhere. And then you, it doesn't work for like two minutes and you're super frustrated at how difficult life is, you know. And it, the things that are kind of 
giving us access to such incredible benefits in, in life that are new based on technology very quickly become entitlements of, well, I have to have that now. I have to have that. I need it. I, it's gone for a minute. I'm freaking out, right? Um, and, and so I think that happens in every industry. And it happens in business too. And that's what we're going to see. I think flexibility is one of the most important ones on that dimension. And you have a few others. And, and people get a taste of something that we're like, oh, I got all this data I never got to see before. I'm seeing what's happening behind the scenes. I'm getting flexibility for how I use my drop and hook program. I'm, I have much more convenience now for making this decision. You don't want to lose that when you get it. So that's why I think that the adoption of things that give our customers and truck drivers those benefits underlying kind of the feature are going to stick because once you have them, you don't want to give them up. They're, they're great. So I think the expectations go up as those things get invented. Now it's, I think it's a great point. Dan, I got to ask, I mean, Convoy is the, uh, I think when people think of, of emerging, at least in trucking, emerging freight tech companies, Convoy is universally thought of across the, uh, both the investor groups that I talk to, as well as the industry is sort of the newer age digital uh, player. But there's at times that the industry has sort of questioned whether this was a bubble or valuations have gotten inflated. How do you think of it? Do you think that that story is behind us? Do you think that now there's more fundamental belief in the sustainability of this freight tech cycle? Are you still, is there still a level of cynicism that's out there? Well, I think that probably several markets right now are, are in bubble phase in general. And so I don't know if it's, you know, I think it's sort of hard to say this one company versus that company. I think the market in general is, is kind of inflated right now. But I don't think we're going to, I think Convoy is past the the, the phase of people wondering if this is a flash in the pan, you know, some that's just kind of like got a lot of hype and got some marketing, got some money, and then didn't really, didn't really go anywhere. Uh, I remember going to the CSCMP conference for years, and I had sort of that same experience over five years. It was kind of like we showed up and everyone's like, Ooh, who are these guys? And then it was, uh, oh, it's just some cute thing that's happening. You know, they're doing some some, some trucking that nobody else wants to do. And then it was like, well, they're doing, getting a little bit of freight that nobody else wants. It's kind of growing. Um, oh, they got into contracts, but it's just because, you know, people are taking advantage of them or something like that. And, you know, every time there's some different story as to why people were taking Convoy seriously and working with us. And then all of a sudden, I remember going there and it was like, oh, we're Convoy too. And I was like, oh, okay. That flipped. And so we kind of had this this moment where people recognized there was value. And what happened was, is that the shippers and the trucking companies were telling other people that they really liked working with us and that they felt like there were different experiences they had and benefits. And then people said, okay, great. There's something real here. There's a benefit. I want to have that benefit too for my customer. And that doesn't bother me. That's normal. That's the normal innovation cycle and how new entrants come on the scene. Um, but it's exciting. And so I think we're here and, and I mean, we're definitely here and we're, we're now pushing the industry and we want to do great things. Um, I believe we can, we can drive incredible benefits for our customers and incredible benefits for the environment. And, you know, we can do things for, we can help truck drivers as well. We can actually do things that kind of help them have a more sustainable job and in industry, um, from how we do payments to how we kind of give them coverage and take care of them when they're on the road. So I think there's a lot of things we can do. Um, so I'd say that story feels old to me now at this point in terms of a convoy-only story. I, I, I completely agree with you. I think it is, I think COVID, sort of the quarantine, post-quarantine where we're at now, 
reset everyone's sort of view of supply chain and technology venture investments. There was this weird winter. There was a, a venture capital winter, which we got caught in the storm because we we set our fundraising. It was January of 2020, which is right sort of headwinds or headwinds coming from the WeWork sort of everybody was sensitive to margins uh, and unit economics. And then COVID sort of got caught up in that. And so it was, it was sort of a tough time to be raising capital, but it was interesting because I think in the, what COVID did in sort of the post COVID cycle is it became, and what we've seen with supply chain is everyone is sort of aware what's happening. And I don't think we go back to the way things were before, as we've talked about, but I also think now there's a new investment class that people are interested in putting capital to work in businesses that are solving these major issues. I completely agree. So I, I think it's it's going to be an interesting sort of cycle to see what happens over the next couple of years. Uh, your story has been a fascinating one. You and I, I don't know if you, you remember this, but you and I actually met on a phone call before I started Freightways in 2016. And you were telling me the story. I think you guys had raised $2 million at that point. I just think about how far our, our stories, our businesses have gone in many ways. Uh, we've lived the cycle together. I remember that. Yeah, it's, it was very similar timing along the way. Yeah, but it's been fun. Uh, Dan, really appreciate your time and uh, re- really appreciate your participation in F3. And hopefully you can get to Northwest Arkansas in May where we're doing the Future of Supply Chain Summit uh, at the epicenter of North American uh, supply chain and logistics in Northwest Arkansas. Hopefully you'll be there. That'd be great. Let's talk.